Hello, we are picking up from Sunday Sunday's talk on prayer. A part of it wasn't recorded, so we're going to bring the two parts together and hopefully it will make sense. And it would just be a shame not to have the full message online. So if you're listening, I hope it does make sense. And yeah, let's journey it together. So we're starting a, a new series on prayer and we're really excited as a church to journey on this. Our, our heart for it is that as we unpack uh, we would see prayer in a fresh light, that we would rediscover the wonder of prayer and we would find practically what it looks like for each of us as we disperse around the highlands into our weeks. So it's going to be a wee bit different. Uh, this is almost like a, a little introductory talk uh, into prayer and we'd love it in this series to look at the practicalities of prayer, how to pray, looking mainly at the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to dedicate a Sunday unpacking the Lord's Prayer, how to pray for each other, so a bit of practice involved with that as well, and also how to pray or, or praying in general when life is tough and you're perhaps not getting an answer from God or not hearing anything. And as we look at prayer, I think as good a place as any is to look and start with Jesus. Prayer was a central part uh, to Jesus' life in this in this earth in his ministry, before his ministry, in moments he had in the wilderness with his disciples and at the cross. Actually, right now, Jesus is praying on our behalf. He is interceding on our behalf. What a thought that is. Right now, as you are listening to this, Jesus is praying for you. Hebrews 7.25 speaks of that. And we look at how he taught the disciples how to pray what the disciples asked for teaching on. They didn't ask for teaching on preaching, but prayer. So uh, the passage that we're looking at is in Matthew 6, 5 to 13. And it looks at the Lord's Prayer. We're just going to read these verses now. So starting at verse 5, Matthew 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees that which is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. So we see in that passage, the Lord's Prayer. And we see actually within that, and we're going to unpack this on a different Sunday, but a model for prayer. We see adoration and worship with hallowed be your name. We see intercession when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We see petition, give us our daily bread. What we need, Lord, will you reveal it practically? Will you bring revelation to our day to day? And we see confession, forgive us our sins. And we see spiritual warfare in the mix as well, deliver us from evil. A gentleman called E.M. Bounds says what the church needs today is not more machinery, 
or better machinery, not new organisations or more novel methods, but people whom the Holy Spirit can use, people of prayer, people mighty in prayer. Mary, Queen of Scots, famously said, I fear John Knox's prayers more than any, more than an army of 10,000 men. The story is told of five young college students who were spending a Sunday in London. So they went to hear C.H. Spurgeon preach. While waiting for the doors to open, the students were greeted by a man who asked, Gentlemen, let me show you around. Would you like to see the, the boiler room of this church, the heating plant? They weren't interested. It was a hot day in July, but they didn't want to offend this man. So they said, OK, then. The young men were taken down a stairway. A door was quietly opened and the gentleman whispered, this is our boiler room. Surprised, the students saw 700 people bowed in prayer, seeking a blessing on the service that was soon to begin right above them. Softly closing the door, the gentleman then introduced himself. It was none other than Charles Spurgeon himself. Leonard Ravenhill says prayer is the boiler room for the church. And there's a couple of reasons that we want to look at uh, prayer over the next coming weeks. One, we want to reinvigorate us. For those of us where prayer is a struggle or it's non-existent, as I was sharing with my dad that I'm going to be sharing a little series on prayer, it reminded him of a quote uh, which went like, is prayer your spare tyre or is prayer your steering wheel? Just such good imagery around that. Is it your spare tyre or is it your steering wheel? So I want to... We would love to see uh, prayer just placed uh, back in its rightful place and for it to to be reinvigorated in our lives. Secondly, we want uh, to stir us as a church, each other, to pray, to pray for each other, both here in our church, but also out in our weeks with our colleagues, with our friends, with our families. What does that look like? I want to we want to remind ourselves that prayer changes us and it changes situations around us want to remind us that it's the most important activity of our lives. It's uh, fundamental to our relationship to God, communication with him, to tell him exactly uh, what is going on, to uh, remind ourselves of his power, his love for us, and to petition and to cry out to him. And then finally, it focuses away from ourselves and towards God. So it it helps us with this battle of self-sufficiency, this self-reliance that we can often struggle with uh, without looking to God for our purposes, our plans and for his protection. Pete Gregg, who is just such a a brilliant uh, guide on prayer and such a, a godly man, he says the priority of prayer is there to be found in one way or another in every page of the Bible and every chapter of church history. It is neither a peripheral theme or optional extra for the desperate and devout. It does not belong to another part of history or to some type of person more spiritual. Prayer is nothing at all unless it is a matter of vast and all-consuming importance for each one of us. And in our world, we see it. We see prayer just being dropped in into our into our world and those around us. We see it over social media during tragedies and and difficult, sad times where people would often comment thoughts and prayers. Mark Wahlberg, who's a, a famous Hollywood movie star, prays, prays every single morning that he would be a good servant to God, a good husband and father, and hopefully a good actor as well. Justin Bieber, 
uh, the pop star prays before every show and a lot of us listening might think he needs that prayer with the type of music he shares. <laughs> I'm only joking. Tyson Fury, heavyweight boxer before a title fight once prayed in the mighty name of Jesus, give me strength and power tonight, Lord. Let both men come out of the ring very well and go back to their families safe. As I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Amen. It's fascinating, isn't it? These individuals and, and where prayer factors. A university study in the US discovered that American entrepreneurs pray more frequently than those working in other professions. Specifically, more than half of the entrepreneurs surveyed pray daily and one third pray several times a day. In comparison, more than half of non-entrepreneurs pray just a few times a week or less frequently. One person in every four prays on Easter Sunday. If we're to look at prayer from a general world religion point of view, one person in every six prays to Mecca. In the UK, according to the Guardian newspaper, one in five people pray despite saying they're not religious. What a thought that is. One in five people pray despite saying they're not religious. That's millions of people in the UK. In Inverness, there are potentially thousands in our city that are praying that don't know Jesus. Wow. Wow. In the newspaper study, in the newspaper article in The Guardian, it interviewed a man called Henry who's 64 and he says he prays every night, kneeling by his bed despite not being religious. He says this, I worry about it quite a lot. Is it some kind of an insurance policy? Is it superstition or is it something more real? There is a longing and a love of God in the mix of daily experiences with people who aren't in relationship with God. Prayer matters and just feel really stirred. Lord, we want to pray for the Henrys right now that you will reveal the real, that you will draw them to you. And if I was to look at my journey for prayer, it has been a journey. I've struggled. I look at uh, prayer as I have lived through my life and the moments I've prayed. I prayed on my first week at uni, walking home to my uh, halls of residence. On the first night at Freshers Week in tears, terrified for God to protect me, having been exposed to a whole world of alcohol and firsts really, that made me afraid of what was to come in the four years. Remember it so vividly. I prayed on my wedding day under my breath as Mary walked down the aisle to be my wife, thanking God for her and also thanking God that she turned up as well. I prayed when we waited, we prayed when we waited two years to sell our flat. We had a, a quirky wee flat on Justice Street just off Union Street in Aberdeen and it had an attic conversion stairs going up from the kitchen and it just took ages to sell we didn't have planning permission for it it was done before we moved in it just took ages and I remember just moments where we get offers in and they'd be uh, they would drop out at the last minute we'd just be praying constantly for breakthrough also we prayed when we couldn't conceive when we couldn't have a baby and again that was around two years we were waiting uh, for that to happen and seeing our friends have babies as well. It was incredibly tough. I pray every Sunday as I try to disappear just before opening up God's word when I'm speaking and, and have a moment where I just say, God, it's over to you. It's over to you. Let it not be my words, but you just 
show people your goodness. Will you take over? Will you take the stage? Prayed when Joshua was born. Praise of adoration and strewing just these miracle creations. Also prayed when uh, Joshua was born and he was rushed to high defence unit with an infection. I remember so vividly crying in the car, bawling to a friend and then just crying with tears in my car with rain lashing down. Prayers of desperation. God, my boy needs you. He needs you. Prayed when my granny passed away about three months later after Joshua was born. My gran being one of my one of my best friends, I would tell my gran everything. I'd phone her at least once a week. I was annoyed. I was upset that I'd lost her. I would have loved Joshua and, and Struan to get to know her. Prayers of why. So in my joys, in my pain, in my confusion, in my hopes, in my tears, prayer has mattered. Prayer matters. We are loved by God and we are called to love. And prayer allows us to enter into relationship and align our hearts with God's, his purposes, his plans. And to remind us that we're not in this alone. At the start of his book, How to Pray, Pete Gregg suggests to take a moment to acknowledge the unending chorus of human longing. And from all the stories that I've shared there, it's totally there, isn't it? As well as the Bible, I've dipped in and out of a few books as part of looking at this and can thoroughly recommend anything uh, Pete Gregg has written. And there's also a book called uh, Can You Not Tarry an Hour by a gentleman called Larry Lee and also a book called Prayer, The Keys to Revival by Eugene Cho. Uh, Eugene says this, it has been historically true that prayer has been the key to every revival in the history of Christianity. If we want to see Scotland, if we want to see Inverness, if we want to see the nation taken for Jesus, prayer matters. So as we enter into a new season as a church, as we look to reach out and love, as we look to see dry bones come alive in us and in the city, we must have prayer at the cornerstone of everything we do. And I, I want us to look very practically into our prayer lives this morning. I want to ask what needs to change, what needs to start. What needs to stop? Where, where does prayer figure right now? Right now as you're listening, where, where does prayer figure in your day? What does it look like? It's going to be really practical what I'm sharing and hopefully it stirs and helps as uh, you stop listening to this and, and go about the rest of your week. And my prayer, looking at prayer, is that we would grow as a church who love to pray. So a couple of guidance points and hopefully encouragements as we look to unleash prayer in our week ahead. And I'm going to do a very original thing. I don't think it's been done before. Well, it certainly has been done before. That's a, a little joke. We're going to look at prayer with the acrostic of prayer. So each letter spells the word prayer. And uh, we're going to look at firstly P. So P is for personality of you. To pray in the personality of you. Now, I'm sure most of us will have been in the situation or you know that you're in the situation, you're in a prayer meeting or small group and you've had a good time and it gets to the prayer time and you're stirred. And then someone kicks off the prayer and it's the prayer of 2020 so far. It's got the passion. It's got the Bible verses. It's got some big words like intercession and renewal. 
And it's ended with this person on their face, just on the floor in tears. And just before then, you were ready. Everything within you wants to pray. But right at that moment when they finish praying, there's a whisper in your mind. Beat that, Thomas. Is there any point in you saying anything now? What big words do you know? Can you recite a verse in your prayer? And you're racking your mind for a verse, but it's just not happening. The only verse you can remember doesn't fit and you spend a little minute trying to make it fit, but it doesn't. Then the prayer time's finished. It's over. I want to shake that lie off. This hold of comparison. It's deadly to our walk. It's the thief of joy. It's the first thing that any you know the first thing one of the first things the enemy goes for is joy. He robs it from us. Where you were stirred at that prayer meeting or at small group, and right away comparison has taken root and robbed us of sharing and praying in the personality of you. English Benedictine monk, Abbot John Chapman says, pray as you can, not as you can't. Pray as you can, not as you can't. I used to say, we used to run a, a wee youth group in Aberdeen. We used to say, you know, it's not about the these and nows. People will feel led to pray with the these and nows they want, but just pray like you're praying to a friend. Pray as you're praying to a friend. We pray for Jim's mum who isn't well. We pray healing to her body. Amen. In the message version in that uh, passage that we looked at in verse 6, it says, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. I love that. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. What you can manage, bring in prayer. He loves it all the same. I love our two little boys' prayers at night. They're so incredibly simple, yet so incredibly profound. There's moments when I just leave that bedroom and go, wow, I want to pray like that. Because it's just to the point, it's raw, it's real. It's, you know, there's, no, there's no real, they don't dwell on it. And it's a reminder for me, and hopefully that stirs as a reminder to us. Let's come as we are before God. Let's be real. Let's pray in the personality of us, of you. Secondly, regular in your day around discipline. In Larry Lee's book, Could You Not Tarry One Hour?, he says this, I want, you to, I want to make you a promise. Something supernatural happens when you pray an hour a day. It does not happen overnight, but slowly, almost interceptibly, the desire to pray becomes firmly planted in the soil of your heart by the Spirit of God. This desire crowds out the weeds of apathy and neglect and matures into the discipline of prayer. The one day you discover that it is no longer a duty. Instead, it is the fruit of delight. You find yourself eagerly longing for the daily time with God. I long for that. Long for that. Pete Gregg says, delight without discipline eventually dissipates. We need discipline. We need discipline. And just a, a bit of a shameless plug here. That's what the early morning prayer time is for me. On Wednesday mornings at half six, 6.30 a.m. At Costa, at the train station. I don't know why I'm going like that. <laughs> we shared last year about this prayer meeting every week that we will be doing. And for the first four months, it was just me. 6.30, but I continued. 
And the first probably five or six weeks was incredibly tough to set my alarm at six o'clock. I can now do it setting my alarm at, I guess like 12 minutes past six, I can get up <laughs> and I'm there like 6.29. But something supernatural has happened in my heart off the back of that, off the back of that discipline. And it's part of my week. I pray more through the week. It's more planned in my day. And the desire to get there on Wednesday morning is there. It's part of my week. There's a delight. There's honestly a delight as I, I walk at 6.40 or at the back of 7 round Inverness in the high street. We get a coffee first. We've got to get a coffee first. And then we walk around the city, whatever the weather. You know, there was, there was, I think there was heavy rain and snow on Wednesday past, just lashing on our face. But God was there. And there was delight in that. There was delight in walking those streets while everyone slept to pray over the spiritual health of our city, to pray that God would have his way, to pray that God would revive our city, to pray for the churches on the River Ness, to pray for the entrepreneurs that have taken a risk, to pray for the people, the bin men and the taxi drivers that are up at the crack of dawn. Disciplines and habits take time. I want to ask us, what do we need to break from that is unhealthy this morning? And where does prayer figure in the everyday? Where does it, what does it look like in the regular part of our day? It might not be the half six prayer meeting, but where, 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 where does it figure? Where does it figure? And just to encourage us to have discipline around that. God will supernaturally shape our hearts and our habits around that if we focus on Him. So regular in your day. Next one. A reflection of what is going on. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We are to be real with our prayer times. Present it all, the hidden and the hurting, the longing. As I was with our a little boy when he was in a high dependency unit. It was real. It was raw. It was emotional. Perhaps some of us need to pray those kind of prayers this morning. We worship a loving God. He longs for relationship. He longs for connection. He longs for closeness. But we must let him in. We must let him in. We must open our hearts and minds to him. Allow him to minister to us. He is all-knowing, but we have to choose to allow him into our situations. And to say pastorally, if you know that that is, that is tough to do that, that actually there is a, a big door or a big wall, we'd love you to journey through prayer ministry. We offer, uh, as part of our, our, our ministry as a church, prayer pastoral prayer ministry, which involves just a number of weeks more intentionally with a member of our church praying, uh, perhaps two on one. So two people just gathering around, you just share what's going on in your life, if perhaps there's a life controlling issue or a wall that just won't, just won't budge. And we, we take time to, to allow God into that and lots of practical things and different ways of praying. And it's incredible to see what God does and how he ministers through that intentional time uh, of prayer and allowing God into to that pain. So I uh, just encourage you, if, if you feel that's something that could be helpful, to speak to myself or Maddie, and uh, we can look to support you and journey uh, with you on that. So to be honest, to be honest with exactly what is going on with God and to let him in. 
Why? It's for, to yearn for breakthrough, to not be content. A, a pastor called Terry Virgo says, speaks of holy discontent. I think I, I mentioned a bit of that last week. And we see that with Nehemiah in the Bible. Nehemiah, a, a great man mightily used by God, he heard the walls of Jerusalem had collapsed. And he wept and he prayed. And in chapter 1, we read of him praying for an opportunity to go for breakthrough in the restoring job to be done. We are to be people of the breakthrough, that God will grant us favor, that we aren't content for the way that things are, the way, yeah, the way that situations are that, that pain us, the illnesses, the lostness, the poverty, the pain. In that prayer, that, in that passage we looked at, it prays, your kingdom come, your will be done. In the message version, it says, set the world right. Lord, set the world right. That we yearn for it, that we're a people that yearn for it. Now, I'll be honest with you, I got to this point and I struggled with why. And I came up, I thought, yearn, yearn. Yearn is a great word. Don't often use it. Yet to yearn is an intense feeling of longing or compassion. I want to ask us, when was the last time we prayed with that, with a yearning for God's kingdom to come in an area of our lives or somebody else's lives or our city, an area that is lost, an area that is beyond lost? We might have prayed that recently. We might, it might have been a while. But we are people who believe in prayer for breakthrough moments in the blink of an eye that God can change and transform and to not be content, to not be content. E is for enjoyable. To, work, to, to ask God and to reflect on how God has made you and to find places to pray. Uh, some offers speak about a sacred site. What is the sacred site that you would go to to pray? Or the thin place, the place that is just you and your Father. And even before, uh, that passage, it speaks about Jesus going to a certain place to pray. Jesus had that. He had that thin place. So some people pray in the shower. Some people pray on their bike, up a mountain, in the car, listening to death metal, out in nature, when in bed. To find those environments where you meet God in prayer and protect them with your life. Protect them with your life. Make them a non-negotiable in your week. For me, it's beaches. I love going to a beach. In Aberdeen, I would grab a coffee, my Bible, and a notepad, and I'd drive out to the beach boulevard, sometimes get a Burger King, but we'll gloss over that, and I'd go down, and I'd just have the view of the beach and watch the waves. And that took root 10 years ago. So when I moved to Inverness, oh, our house is five miles from Loch Ness. Decent. So fill my coffee cup, take my Bible, and I've been there in times where I just want to cry out to God when I'm hurting. I've been there when I've been confused. I've been there when I'm feeling a bit lost. But I have moment, a moment in my week where I know that I can just drive off, go to Loch Ness, watch the waves. I don't need to speak to anyone. I just speak to my father. And I love it. It's enjoyable. What do you love? Make sure you meet God in prayer. 
in places that are enjoyable, in thin places, in sacred sites? What does that look like for us this week? What could we do this afternoon? Plan it in our Google Calendar or our, our diary and just say, that's not being moved. I'm taking an hour to go there. I'm taking an hour to drive there. Or I'm taking an hour just to get in my car <laughs> and sit in my car. Protect it. And then finally, to reach out for the big and the specifics. We're to have faith when we pray. I'm going to close on this. God loves the specifics and He loves the big. Let's not in our prayer time settle. Let's not settle. This is God we are speaking to for an important meeting that we're about to go into. Let's pray the specifics. Let's pray around the conversations. Let's pray about and for the individuals. If we've a longing for a friend to know Jesus, let's pray the big. Let's pray the impossible. Let's pray for opportunities. Let's reach out for the big and for the specifics over our situations, over our weeks. How does it change our prayer lives and our expectancy? And as I was preparing for that, I felt God's presence over that and how we pray, to pray for the big. What are the things that are impossible right now that we would long for God to break into? Are we praying for them? Are we crying out to Him? Are we being real and honest to Him? And I just feel the, lo the Lord would love more of that. He knows our situations. He will protect, He will guide, but let's give Him more. What's on our hearts? He longs to hear His children cry out for the big. At the end of the message version of the passage that we've read, it just says, yes, yes, yes. I'm going to end more of my prayer meetings like that, more of my prayer times. Lord, I give you the big, I give you the specifics. Yes, yes, yes. You are God. You are mighty. I am expectant. We are journeying this week uh, to pray and to fast over our vision. Uh, you can pick up, as I said, the booklets, but on there is also, there's 24 hours that we've dedicated as a church family to pray intentionally. And I'd love as many of us to just fill out a slot so uh, there's, there's a few slots needing filled, Friday evening to Saturday evening. And just to carve out a slot, find the thin place, find the sacred site. And perhaps that'll be a rhythm that'll follow through into the rest of our following weeks and months. We'd love you to do that. Specifically for the vision, but just to start that rhythm and discipline. Let's stand.